Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Did you know cats tend to hide symptoms of sickness and pain? I learned this the hard way after losing my cat, Gingy. So I created Pretty Litter, a health monitoring litter that helps detect early signs of illness by changing colors, saving you money and potentially your cat's life. Pretty Litter is veterinary and developed, and it's the easiest way to keep tabs on your fur baby's health right at home. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. If you have a lot of mailing to do, stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. Use the stamps.com mobile app to mail everything you need to keep your business running with up to 89% off USPS and UPS. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Use code PROGRAM for a special offer. That's Stamps.com, code PROGRAM. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Blizzard Watch podcast, where we talk about many things, uh, including the relatively complex rules of stuff in D and D like dual wielding. Uh, I'm going to probably try to write about grappling. You should stay tuned for that. But also we talk <laughs> about things like, you know, video games, uh, specifically ones by blizzard, although we've been branching out as much as we can. And uh, this week we've actually got a fair amount to talk about just from blizzard because a couple of things have happened. One of them happened today. Uh, oh, first I should introduce uh the two people that do the show with me who I usually remember to, to introduce. That's kind of weird. Uh, Joe Perez and Liz Harper, but I'm going to jump to Liz right away. The Hearthstone expansion was announced today, right? Uh, yesterday, but very close. And of course, when people listen to this in podcast form, it may be even later than that. Yes. Uh, the sliding arrow of time moves ever uh, forward. Uh, yeah. It's, it's hard to keep track. Time's a slippery thing. Uh, but yes, the new Hearthstone expansion is called A Murder at Castle Nathria, and I think it's amazing. Like, I just heard the name, and I was like, I love this expansion. I don't need to know anything else. It's going to be great. And I mean, really, what more do you need to know about it? Except that it is themed around a murder mystery at Castle... At Castle... Um, Nathria. Castle Nathria. Yes. It's right there in the name. I've said uh, it twice, and now I don't remember it. <laughs> it happens to me all the time. <laughs> Honestly, uh, seriously, now, I'm just going to say this. Uh-huh. The line, time is the fire in which we burn, is actually accurate. It's one of the better lines ever uttered in any movie. I loved it in Generations. It's probably the only thing I love about Generations is is Malcolm McDowell's character, mm-hmm. uh, quite frankly. And there's your Star Trek. <laughs> I worked it in. There you go. Now, continue about Castle Nathria. <laughs> Excellent job. That was That was a good one. Uh, so, Hearthstone, yes, murder at Castle Nath- Nathria. Denathrius has uh, invited all of his enemies to dinner for uh, some really smart reason, I guess, suppose, except then he winds up dead. And you have to find out who killed him. The it's investigation cool. is 
The investigation is led by Murloc Holmes, because of course it is. And um, all of the legendary cards in the set are different murder suspects. And there's also a new type of card called a location, which will be like different parts of Castle Nathria or Rivendreth. And each class has their own location card and you play your location card and it has specific benefits that you can trigger. Um, so, I mean, I think it's just a really cool theme. And I think Hearthstone is at its absolute best when it goes and takes Warcraft stuff and does something kind of goofy, like uh, taking Castle Nathria and throwing in a Murloc named Murloc Holmes investigating a murder mystery. I like several things about this. Go for it. First up, that Denathrius invited his enemies to it's dinner. Clue. And uh, amongst them is Murloc Holmes. Of course. <laughs> <laughs> ah, that Murloc Holmes, he foiled me again. Bring him to my party. Like, it's like, and I'm also sitting there thinking, if Denathrius didn't invite enemies to dinner, he couldn't invite anybody to dinner. It's there like, would be no dinner parties. Yeah, it would be very and, sad. And, and Denathrius loves one thing. It's having elaborate dinner parties and betraying everybody he knows. So <laughs> these two things, of course. I, but thirdly, and most importantly to me, is the fact that, as Joe just pointed out, it's Clue. It's Clue in Warcraft. Which is great. I'm, I'm so looking forward to the inevitable Hearthstone pack that is Battleship. Or life, or shoots and ladders, say <laughs> snakes and ladders. I I really want to see Warcraft snakes see, and ladders. The only thing that would have made me happier is if that the uh, the announcement trailer had uh, if he was still capable of it. Because I don't think he actually is anymore. But if they could have could have had Tim Curry record a voice line for uh, Denathrius, because that would have just been hilarious and perfect. I don't. I and now I'm thinking about Tim Curry dying. Thanks, Joe. He's, I don't think he's dead. He's just. Not. Yeah, it's, that's fine. Don't make me. Yeah, the inevitable mortality times arrow. We've talked about this. Times the fire in which we burn. Why do you make? Why do I have to be Malcolm McDowell this week? <laughs> um. So Hearthstone. Quick. Yeah, Quick. Hearthstone. Quick it's rebound. a thing. <laughs> Look at me rebounding, turning this podcast around. Um. The one thing that I don't like about this expansion is that it. Okay, this is going to sound weird and backwards, is that the expansion makes me super excited for the idea of the expansion. But in the end, Hearthstone matches are just Hearthstone matches. It's a 1v1, you know, competitive match where you play cards and you're trying to reduce your enemy's health to zero. And that's that's the game. We've added some new card types. We've added a bunch of legendaries who fill the roles of these, like, enemies of Denathrius. We've added this whole theme of a murder mystery. But it's just a theme on top of this base level game. But the theme they've presented and, you know, the cinematic trailer for it and this idea of this dinner party and this murder mystery, which sounds so cool and so fun. That's not really part of the game. That's just a cool thing that they've sold us on. But the game is still the game. And that's. I I agree with you because that's one of the that's always been my problem. They do these incredible trailers and like they get you super excited for it, but then it very seldom is even even anything remotely close to taking full advantage of it, despite what the art the art assets or anything they put into it. You know what it makes me think of is all of those WoW themed board games that they wind up putting out. Uh, like even if it's like WoW Risk or, or you know, hopefully maybe maybe this will be impetus. Make WoW Clue. I'll buy it. I'm I'm a I'm a I'm a, I'm a, I'm a sucker for it. Let's let's be honest. But like, wow, small world and things like that, like they work really, really well 
why not just have fun games that take these ideas and actually do something with them? Like, I would absolutely play a murder mystery game based around Ca- Castle Nathria. 100%. Super excited for something like that. I just, it, there's a lot of really neat ideas. Or the um, when they did the alternate dread, uh, Death Knight thing, when Jaina was a Death Knight and, and all that other stuff, like, those were really cool concepts. And they were really novel and really interesting. And then, it, like you said, it was just a Hearthstone game. I don't know. Well, I, I want more. The, Dang the, it. The Death Knight thing was actually really impactful because they had alternate Death Knight heroes for each of your normal heroes. And that was actually a really sweeping change to the game. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But, you know, in this, it's just, okay, you've got these legendaries and some of them do have cool effects and the location cards are going to have cool effects. But mostly this makes me think, wow, Clue, a Hearthstone version of Clue would be really fun and interesting. And But this is just, this is Hearthstone, this is the card game. One thing they've done before is make tavern brawls and single player modes that expand upon different ideas. Tavern brawls are kind of just different experimental ways to play the game, which there's a new one every week, except lately they've just kind of been recycling old ones over and over, so we haven't been getting a lot of new or interesting ideas over there. So I'm curious is if we're going to see some tavern brawls themed around this murder at Castle Nathria thing to kind of give us more of that clue experience, because we have seen some tavern brawls that have really broken away from the traditional Hearthstone gameplay that have given us you know, different kinds of cooperative gameplay or single-player gameplay that use Hearthstone as a framework but are really different and interesting. Or new single-player modes where we are maybe literally playing through a mystery because Hearthstone is actually a pretty good storytelling game. They have done a lot of single-player modes where you play through a match, everyone has dialogue, different things happen, you play through the next match, and it progresses a story in that way. And some of them are really good. Some of them are less good, but that could be a way to really tell this story. But as they've put it out, it's got such a cool concept that I want more of it, but I don't know if I'm going to get any more. I don't, there's nothing about this that says, okay, we're going to get some cool murder mystery single player mode. There's nothing that says we're going to get kind of different gameplay modes like tavern brawls. It's just, we've got, we got a bunch of cards. And uh, that's great. That's a standard expansion. But it's like, the idea is so exciting. I just want more of it. And uh, it's like I'm simultaneously really excited and really disappointed. And I I can't fit both of those things in my head at once. It's very difficult. Yeah. I got nothing else to no add. No one's talking. God. Um, <laughs> yeah. I, honestly, one of the things that makes me think about is the discussion we had a long time ago uh, about Mean Streets of Gadgets, Anne. And mm-hmm. I don't remember who said it. Uh, but it was somebody on the staff said, you know, this would have been a great wow expansion. A lot of Hearthstone expansions would have made great wow expansion. And they, of course, will never be because Hearthstone very deliberately positions itself away from, from, from World of Warcraft and in general. But it does really feel like there's missed opportunities here where you could have actually had a dungeon which was like, you know, a murder mystery in Castle Nathria. It didn't have to be just a Hearthstone expansion. But, you know, that happens. I'm not really sure if there is a solution to that. Oh, there's other Hearthstone news, though. Isn't there, like, a a PTR going or something? Uh, No, we had a patch rollout yesterday. Patch um, uh, 23.6, yes. Um, Patch 23, man. 
Yeah, yeah. It had a bunch of Battlegrounds changes. It uh, added some minions, tried to buff up some compositions that were weaker, and um, and it. But most the biggest thing is probably it added the Lady Vaj hero, which I haven't seen her in play very much. But she has an ability that lets you create spellcraft cards. Um, every round you can discover a spellcraft spell, and the first one you cast each turn is permanent. Now, for anyone for whom I'm talking complete gibberish, uh, spellcraft things are generated by Naga minions in Hearthstone Battlegrounds, and they give pretty powerful effects. You might cast one and it's like plus eight attack, or this minion has taunt, this, you know, it's all sorts of different spellcraft effects, but they're usually one turn only. So, and there are ways to make them last longer in limited ways, but her whole thing is she can discover one once a turn and it's permanent the first one she casts so you can really kind of buff up a board of minions uh i haven't seen her in play very much but i i love hearthstone battlegrounds and so i'm always excited to see new heroes there and we'll be watching to see how that one shakes out and uh i've already had phil promise me a post about how the what the meta in battlegrounds is after vaj has been there for a week or so Okay, um, but that's pretty much it for Hearthstone right now, right? I hope so, because that's a lot. Uh, last week, I was writing my weekly email about all the editorial things coming up, and I said, uh, it looks like it's going to be a real slow week. I mean, I guess we can just <laughs> chill out and work on work on SEO posts and all of that, and then, like, everything happened. Well, you said the magic and, words. Uh, yeah, I did. I It was, like, an hour after I said that that we got the... The, the Dragonflight pre-orders, and now it's just kept going. Mm -hmm. I thought we were going, I thought we were heading towards a dry spell on news, but no, no. <laughs> yeah, it's, that's been a long-standing joke for, for this podcast for years, and there's a reason for it. <laughs> yeah, I would agree. Um, <laughs> but we should probably, therefore, since you, you kind of opened the door a little bit, we should probably talk about, actually, it's got nothing to do with it, but what the heck. Wrath Classic and WoW Classic. Um, WoW Classic, the first thing is that in preparation for WoW Class Wrath Classic, when it comes out, uh, there's going to be an XP buff kind of event for like a, the month or so before Wrath Classic actually comes out, where people can level up to level 70 and get ready to jump in to Wrath, whether it's on a new server or uh, on a current server. Because remember, they're they're going to be keeping the uh, Every current Burning Crusade Classic server is going to move up and become a Wrath Classic server. It's, it, they're getting that patch. Uh, there might be a, a Season of Mastery type thing for uh, Burning Crusade Classic at some point, a little bit down the road. But right now, the plan is that servers will all get the, uh, the new content and the new levels and so forth. Um, I think that's interesting. That I don't think they did that before. They didn't do that for Burning Crusade, did they? When Burning Crusade Classic came out, they didn't give them an XP weekend, XP event, did they? No, I didn't think so. Yeah, so it's that interesting that they're of. doing that. Uh, I know that they're also talking about they're gonna basically when the patch comes out, it will come out on Burning Crusade servers because they're all going to Wrath. So you'll have your characters there already and you'll get the XP buff so you can push up to 70 if you haven't been playing certain characters but you want to. Um, I think you'll be able to roll a Death Knight too before the expansion actually comes out. Yeah, I, I was under the impression. I may be wrong, but that's what I thought they said. So you, And based on the XP weekend, you should be able to level them. But that's that's the, the first thing that 
that I thought we would mention. Uh, I know that you send in your email. Uh, I got to make sure that I get this here. Yeah, the, the the beta for WoW Classic is live right now, uh, according to your email. So yeah. um, that means I don't, think we're, hmm? I don't think it's like wide release now, but there are there are at least people out there playing the beta right now. Which means which brings us even closer to at mm-hmm. some point they will come up with a release date for this thing. Um, so that's that's another thing to to keep in mind as we look at the future of this. Finally, though, um, they did a, a dev water cooler type thing last week talking about. The, the the switch from we're going to make this as close as possible to the original to we're going to make deliberate changes, the the some changes philosophy I think we, we were talking about. One of the things I find interesting is that in the dev water cooler, did either of you read it? Uh, I did, but it's been a little while. Okay, Joe? So go for it. No, go for it. Okay. In the, uh, in the actual dev water cooler, one of the things that's interesting is that they haven't actually changed their philosophy at all. It, they've changed the way they're attempting to implement their philosophy because previously they wanted to like have it be like a museum piece where they changed nothing so you can get it exactly the way it was. But that didn't work. That never worked because it isn't 2004 or 2007 or 2008. It's not when these games came out. It's, it's more than a decade. It's almost two decades later. And stuff has changed. The internet has changed. People played all this content already and wrote it all up. It's all out there. Even if you've never played World of Warcraft before, it'll take you 10 minutes to research anything you're about to do in it. Um, So in a way, they're now going with the Some Changes philosophy to try and keep the community feeling that WoW Classic has developed alive rather than have it suddenly get eclipsed by game mechanics that didn't exist and that the the people playing don't want to exist. Uh, so that's, that's interesting. Um, the idea that, for instance, the, one of the big changes is that they're taking out uh, the dungeon finder technology. We, we knew that, but they're also revamping badge gear or emblem gear. Sorry. They're, they're, they're revamping, el, you know, emblems of valor and emblems of justice. They're going to have them be uniform throughout the whole expansion. And, they're going to make it so that you don't just run content with emblems and then just go and buy your gear right away instead of, you know, you actually will need to get it from dungeons and raids a lot more than you did back then. I know a lot of people that when we went into ice crown, they stepped into ice crown close to day one with like a full set of, of 254 gear. Yep. I'm one of them. Yeah. Cause you just, you, you wait, you held on to your badges your emblems until it happened until the day. And you just went in and you bought the gear. And they don't want to do that. They don't want that to be something people do. They're also making it so the uh, the tier sets are uniform in how you get them throughout all the raid tiers. Instead of the weird, like the Nax, um, you know, uh, Malagos and um, Sarth treadmill that people were on trying to get tier that then switched completely when you went into Alduar, it's going to be the same system throughout Old, throughout um, that the first tier of rating to Alduar to Trial of the Crusader to Ice Crown Citadel. And they're going to have the same level of 10 and 25 man content. And they're not going to have the four different difficulty modes in ICC. Uh, so they're standardizing everything. That's a huge change. That is not at all the way it actually played in World of Warcraft. Um, when you played the original Wrath of the Lich King, it did not do any of this. So that interests me that they're, they're making some pretty significant changes 
in an attempt to keep the game feeling unchanged. Like, I don't know if you guys have a reaction to that, but it is interesting to me to look at that and see that that's the approach they are taking. This is your, you can tell me if you have an opinion about that. <laughs> I mean, I, I think it's interesting that they're trying to maintain a classic feel when Wrath was kind of an expansion that started us on this road to modernized conveniences, like the Dungeon Finder, which we aren't getting in the same form as we had it in the original game. And that's so you can keep feeling like you're playing vanilla. You kind of keep having that close-knit community feel. You can't easily go up and just group with random players. You've got to put a little work in. You've got to get to know people. And it feels like that's what people really want from the classic experience. That's what they remember enjoying about classics. So they're trying to bring the feeling of that forward through new content, even though the content was not like that when it was released. It's very interesting. And I'm really curious to see what they do next. Yeah, I, I, this is a very popular game. I mean, it's, it's pretty much, it's what some people play in, instead of World of Warcraft. Uh, in a way, it is their World of Warcraft. And I don't know what they can possibly do after this. I, I've, I've speculated on it a lot. I don't know if you guys spend any time doing that. It just... To me, it's like, can they possibly, like, can can there be more content for this? Can well, they bring out, like, you can't, can you do Cataclysm Classic and have anybody want it? Um, <laughs> the, the, I'm not being sarcastic here, not because I think it's bad. I think Cataclysm is really under, un, underappreciated, but it isn't what the people playing WoW Classic want, it, is it? WoW Classic is was, I believe, really started to gain steam because of Cataclysm to begin with, because it fundamentally changed the, the world in a way that you couldn't go back to and took away a lot of the stuff that was there. So those, I mean, and players that are playing classic now can tell me that I'm wrong, but I remember originally that was one of the things that was cited as like a, a factor in wanting to to have a classic or a classic setup. So I don't know, but I, I think about it a lot too. And I'm wondering, is this the point where we're going to start to see full divergent game dev? Because this is a, an interesting opportunity. Liz points out, you know, Wrath really was that place where we started to get those modern conveniences that they are very clearly not doing. And they're making a deliberate choice to do that. Is that something that they just continue to do? And does it become something that they develop standalone content for that didn't exist previously? Almost like an alternate timeline or an alternate universe or whatever. Is that something that potentially happens? Does Mr. Pandaria never occur? is there a different storyline like a, a like a giant what if comic book that they that they might be able to explore i'm not saying that they will do this i'm not saying that i want them to do this i'm just like it, you know it's it's just a thought it's just a, a random thing that this is the opportunity that could happen and or or do they do things like their version of the the dragon isles when it was originally there do we do they start digging up things from code long since forgotten and actually give it a home I don't know. Like, it, I'm very curious to see what choices they will make going forward because there's a lot of cool stuff that they could do. And we often talk about like how WoW Classic is like it's never going to be vanilla. It's never going to be vanilla WoW again because it, that was like just a different time, a different setup. Yet they're trying to capture the feeling of it. But what if it just doesn't 
try to be vanilla anymore and just figures out what its own thing is and goes with it, which to me for the last several releases feels like what they've been trying to do. So just my thoughts. I also wonder if they're going to like, are they going to do cataclysm and mists and like make versions of these in lines with those vanilla sensibilities that they're trying to get with the close knit community and the older kind of talent system and like, are they going to try to roll out those old expansions with this classic sensibility where you have similar content, but it plays really differently because they're doing fewer convenience features and they're really focusing on small communities? Because that could be interesting, too. This is a whole wild kind of social experiment we're seeing here where we have a game that's essentially essentially more or less the same as it was you know 18 years ago and we're playing it in different ways so i'm just curious i can't wait to see what they're where they go from here listen i just want them to to purchase the rights to wildstar and bring it back let's let's just call it that i'd be happy with that (laughs) okay though i think you know since we're not going to solve this uh none of us actually work on this so it's not like we can go and say this is what they're going to do um I do think we should mention briefly this this post uh, that that Calcius wrote. Um, I'm sorry, Christian. I I know your real name, but I forget uh, the the Dragonflight Collector's Edition, so forth, and how to get your digital rewards now um, because you can do that now that the pre-orders are out. And we talked last week about the pre-orders and about the fact that the pre-orders have put a date on this expansion. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's not a release date. I've seen people calling it a release date. It isn't. Uh, don't, don't be fooled. I mean, it just means that the game will release on or before that day, unless they push it back. They can always push it back. They may have to give refunds or offer refunds if they do that, but they can always do that. So this is just an indication of what their thinking is. But with that said, now that the pre-orders are out, you can get the, when you, when you buy the pre-order you get all the goodies beforehand all the virtual stuff it's in your game the moment you do so but if you want to get the collector's edition you'll have to wait until the physical collector's edition is actually at your house except no you won't you can actually get the uh various digital stuff right now you then just have to upgrade to the collector's item the collector's edition once you have it i am I'm not the kind of person who does that, so I'm not an expert on this. Do either of you know how to explain this to people so that they can actually do it? Uh, yeah, basically you have to buy the game twice. But and you get, you get it, credited, right? Yeah, you buy the collector's edition, and while you wait for that to ship and show up, get your physical collector's edition to show up at your front door, you also buy the digital edition of the game. And that's how you get all your pre-order bonuses. Then when you get the collector's edition in, you can get a refund in Battle.net points or Battle.net cash or whatever you call it uh, for your digital purchase. And you just have the, uh, you're just running on collector's edition. So basically you have to spend, what is it, $140 for the collector's edition? Uh, $130 according to this article. $130. And $130. And that's before shipping. Yeah, and shipping is kind of expensive, particularly if you aren't in the U.S., Shipping is free in the U.S. over a certain point. I'm, please continue. I'm, I'm going to look this up because I'm curious. 
Um, and then you also had to buy the collector's the digital edition at whatever level you like. If you buy the most, how much is the most expensive digital edition, Matt, with USD. all the bells and whistles? That's so USD. you would have to pay if you want to get all of the digital benefits from the collector's edition. Right now, you would have to buy the collector's edition so you get that locked in, and you would also have to spend ninety dollars to buy the digital high end version so you get all of that immediately and so 220 dollars before any sort of shipping or anything like that yeah that's kind of a ridiculous amount of money that's yeah. just a lot of money up front yeah and i mean and plus when you get the refund it is BattleNet balance refund it is not it does not go back to your credit card or debit account it's it's in your BattleNet balance so you could basically spend it on other blizzard things is that is that correct Yes. Uh, yeah, basically. I mean, you can put it towards your WoW subscription. You could buy WoW tokens and stock yourself up with gold. But yes, you're essentially spending an extra $90. And of course, you don't have to go all the way out and get that whole collect that whole high-end digital purchase. You could buy one of the lower-end ones. And then when you get your collector's edition in, you upgrade to that. And you get all of the bells and whistles. And you get a refund for whatever digital purchase you made. It just seems... Kind of ridiculous. It's the year 2022 and we can't do a digital purchase without making us spend 90 extra dollars. It's just, why do we have to do this? Why is this even a thing? Yeah, I mean, it would be nice if you could get the digital collection well, edition and all the art books and stuff would come either as PDFs or get mailed to you. So here's the thing that bothers me about this. They could do this, but they won't. And this is something that that game companies have been doing for literal years. You, pre especially because they're doing it through Battle.net and it's tied to your account, pre-order a collector's edition, just give the person the digital goods. And if they cancel the pre-order, take them away. They've taken stuff away from folks in the past. They've disabled certain features. They can do it. Why make people do it twice? It's, that's the part that bothers me. That's the part that actually makes me legitimately angry about it. The technology is there. This is literally stuff we used to do with pre-ordering and, and to back this up, Blizzard used to do this with GameStop pre-orders. When you used to pre-order collector's editions at, at, at GameStop, a code would be printed on your receipt and you would go home and enter it and you'd get some of your digital rewards up front. You just wouldn't get access to the stuff. And then if you canceled it or returned it or whatever the case was, the code became invalid and you lost that stuff. Why aren't they doing that now? In, and it's because they're trying to get people locked in that want to not wait for the shipping because usually shipping takes a couple of days uh, when you because they don't ship it early because they, they don't want to break street date, um, which is a huge thing. So they ship it day of release. It takes two to three days or longer because of how the postal service is in most parts of the world now, let alone the United States, Uh where you may not get it for four or five days, and now you're like the digital version's right there looking at you. I don't know. It's there is a way that they could solve this and let people buy like me buy a collector's edition and not have to spend twice. It's and I know that it's supply and demand, and that people will 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 buy it twice anyway. It's just, it's infuriating because as somebody who in tech, this is absolutely something they could do and be really good about. Or, you know, why not just have the collector's edition is the fancy game box with all of the art books in it and you buy the game digitally separately. As we've gone 
to digital distribution with games, yep. it makes less and less sense to buy a game box well, unless it is something like a fancy collector's edition. And that's the thing; they don't, you don't even get a CD with, or a DVD with the game installation on it anymore. You yeah. just get a code. You just get a code in a sleeve. Like that's what's in the so, box. So why not do that? <laughs> yeah, why not just order the art book in this collector's edition box, and you just buy the digital code, and you get all of the pre-order benefits. You get to preload the game when it when we're closer to release date and it's just why why i don't know i mean we know why (laughs) it's corporate america we know exactly why but yeah there is no reason for this aside from the one that we all know and don't want to admit to yeah but again it's it is what it is and it's shouldn't be like that but and i'm gonna keep shouting about it until maybe we get some change on it (laughs) but uh, to move on to the, the last thing on the top of the news thing the overwatch 2 beta i think it was it open before or did it just open i'm it, this is i was confused by the the way it was phrased we there was a beta that lasted for a while and that closed and then we have a new round of beta is at least by my understanding we have a brand new beta starting right now and this one has the junker queen and rio, and yes. the rio map and all the new stuff yeah cool. With, yeah I don't have a lot else to say on that one other than cool. I, I think the Junker Queen looks really interesting, and I want to know more about the character. But um, until such time as Overwatch doesn't give me such intense motion sickness and migraines that I feel like I want to die, I will not be playing it. So uh, that's just the way it is. Uh, I'm hoping someday somebody figures out how this is doing this and, and can change it. The way they, they figured out um, Grimrail Depot, which is another thing. Like when I used to play, when I was playing like as a tank, and people would want me to tank Grimrail Depot. I used to have to come up with like workarounds to not look at it because if I looked at the screen, that's it. Mo- make crippling motion sickness. I would like be. I'd literally be hurling into a can if I tried to look at it too long. So I'm hoping that they do that. That's just me griping. But regardless, uh, yeah, the beta is cool. That's I'm I'm a little upset that they decoupled PVE because that's the stuff I was really interested in. Cause I was hoping that maybe that wouldn't make me sick. Um, do, do we, do we know, like we know that they're going to have seasons, right? Do we know like yeah. when TV content will be, do I, it'll be in. The the, they've said, they've said 2023, but they haven't given us like hard date on how they're going to roll it out. All right. Either of you have anything to say about overwatch two before we move on, try and do some emails. Mm, nothing that we ever already talked about Liz. No. I was really surprised you haven't mentioned the Net Castle Nathria map. <laughs> Make it so. Anyway, I mean they've got Blizzard, <laughs> they've got Blizzland, don't they? They do. Yes, Blizzworld. Blizzworld. Yeah, if they got Blizzworld, they might as well just put Castle Nathria in there. It can be. Ooh, it'll be like the Disney logo with the castle, except it'll be Castle <laughs> Nathria and a very, very different looking version of Tinkerbell out in front. I- Overwatch has such an interesting world and it pulls in all of these silly Easter eggs and references. And it's a really fun world that I also cannot wait to explore in PVE. Yeah, I quite frankly, um, I, I said this years ago when Titanfall 2 came out. Titanfall 2 is the, the game that got me into Titanfall. Mm-hmm. I didn't care about Titanfall 1 because it was pretty much just let's go battle big mechs with our friends against other people in big mechs. And that's fine if that's what you want. You want Team Fortress 2 and Mechs, that's great. Uh, I didn't want to play it. Again, a lot of these tip types of games, again, give me motion sickness. But uh, then Team when Titanfall 2 came out, it had a really good, short, but good, a nice solid 20 to 25 hour story mode 
where you will fall in love with a big robot and then cry and then cry because it very, involves very, a big robot. This is inevitable. Yeah. yeah. I quite frankly, if, if Western media gets their hands on a big robot in a story, that robot is dead. Yeah. Invariably. It, just, you're going to, you're, you'll be made to love the giant robot and then you will watch the giant robot die. Um, and that's what they did. I know spoilers, but the game's been out for like several years, guys. Come on. Um, and that's what I wanted Overwatch 2 to be. I wanted that to be the game that had the strong story mode that they've been teasing us that they've that's the behind the scenes story they have been teasing us with for years now. I wanted to finally see them tell a story with this game. I'm I'm hoping I still get to see that. Uh but regardless, beta's out, you'll get to see Junker Queen and Rio map and all sorts of other cool stuff. I'm hoping it's a success so that they give me the story stuff. That's how I feel. But at this point, I think we'll move on to doing some of those questions that we get from time to time. Yes. Um, if you've got a question for the show, uh, please send it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com with the subject line podcast or blizzard watch. So we know it's for this show. Uh, if you don't put a subject line on it and it's pretty obviously meant for lore watch, I will take it like a, like a praying vampire in the night. Yep. He I will. will sleep on it. Yep. I, in fact, I did today. <laughs> um, if you, however, are on our Discord server, and we very much appreciate you guys on Discord, you can ask us questions as a patron in the Patron Q and Podcast Questions channel, where we look first because that's how we pay you guys back a little, a little tiny bit for all the support you've given us over the years keeping the site going. Uh, if you can't, we, we understand not everybody can, can be on our Patreon, but if you can't, there's a Podcast and Q Questions channel as well. Uh, you can ask questions in there, and we do look there as well. Um, However, there weren't any in there this week. Sorry. Uh, I would have put one in if you put them in there. Keep that in mind. You put them in there. I, eventually, someone will get them. If, if nothing else, Joe will find a way to answer your question. Mm-hmm. He loves to answer questions. He, he's like a question-answering machine. Um, whereas I am more of like a question-answering, I don't know, bobcat? <laughs> some, some kind of feral animal that answers questions. That, that's me. Liz can decide what kind of question-answerer she is. But speaking of which... Um, this first one I'm going to make Joe read because it's a return favorite <laughs> who like, seems to have a little fixation on Joe. So I wonder Joe. why. Uh, Icy ones. It is I, Corn, the one you know you can trust not to spill all your blood. I've got plenty. Anyway, so here's a question. Who would win in a fight? Sargeras or Tathamet? Oh, and Joe, I could use eight skulls if you've got them to spare. Um, I'm out of skulls, but I definitely have... Uh, this tattoo that's showing up on the back of my neck. It's a uh, this this like black brand of fire. Uh, so, I mean, I think that means I'm pledging my allegiance to you, Corn. I'm not sure. <laughs> um, and Tathomet. Tathomet would win in a fight between Sergeyus and Tathomet. Just going to throw that out there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I actually have a long answer, but Joe just kind of answered it real fast. So, yeah. Tathomet. It's it's basically we've now come to realize Sargeras, while powerful, is just one of many powerful beings, whereas Tathamet was one half of everything. Yeah, yeah. And and Liz, I know you don't know anything about Diablo Diablo lore, and it's fine. Don't worry about it. Just say Tathamet. Okay. Yeah. Just just say it. Tathamet. Cool. <laughs> Here we unanimous. go. Unanimous. It's unanimous. Let's go. <laughs> Next question. This one's for Liz. Uh, LD Soth here with a question for the Blizzard Watch podcast. What is your absolute favorite or one, if you think there's too many to pick, major plot twist or jaw-dropping moment in a video game? Obviously, this question ventures into spoiler territory, so feel free to keep answers cryptic or vague if you feel it's warranted. One of my favorite moments is what happens right after the final battle against the second sister in Jedi Fallen Order. 
If you've played, you know. If you haven't played, I wouldn't dare rob you of that moment. Um, you know, the, the one I always think back when I'm thinking about big video game surprises goes way, way back, way, way back to Diablo 1 when you get to the end of the game. Spoiler alert for like a 30-year-old video game. Is that necessary? Um, you did you it. Get to, it doesn't matter. You, you, go. <laughs> you get to the very, very end of the game and you're going through, you're slaying demons, you're beating all the bad guys. You get to the end of the game, you defeat Diablo, but it's like, oh, I can't actually defeat Diablo. He's he's going to come back. He's just in the stone and he's going to find someone else to, to use the stone. I can't defeat him. And so you very intelligently jam the stone into your forehead. And I just remember watching that the first time and being, what the heck? What did I just do? Why would I do this crazy thing? And it's, it's, it's just, it's a moment where the game kind of transcended the average video game because you went from that big heroic, I'm going to win kind of thing. And I mean, Diablo was a very dark game series. It's, you know, a lot of blood and demons, but you were going to merge victorious, right? And you get to the end of the game and, okay, you kind of won, but kind of at a pretty big cost. And, of course, if you played Diablo 2, you know exactly what that cost was. Yeah, uh, I always thought that that was kind of like their their way of saying, oh, you don't want to, you, you maybe you don't know if you want a sequel. I dare you to not find out what happens next. <laughs> go on, go on. Yeah, just spend the rest of your life remembering that moment, not knowing what happens next. Sure, that'll, that'll be fine. That won't drive you nuts. Um, I mean, maybe that one sticks in my head because that was like the first time when, at least the first time in my memory that just you got a video game just truly, truly threw me for a loop. And I did not see that coming at all. And I just, all these years later, I still remember that moment of shock when it happened. Cool. That's a, that's actually a really good one. Uh, Joe? So I actually spent a good chunk of time thinking about this today. And I know that Lord Soth says that we need to pick one, but I it is a hard tie between the ending of Shadows of the Colossus and the ending of Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic. I knew you were going to take Knights of the Old Republic. I knew it. <laughs> I won't talk about that one. Uh, you can talk about that one if that was going to be your pick. But like Shadow of the Colossus stuck with me because it seemed like a really straightforward story. Uh, in you know, in 2005, you're like, oh, I'm going to be you know platforming and killing these giant creatures in order to save you know this person who fell into this coma of magic because of this demon god and and everything else. Um, and you know that it's a dark ritual that you're performing by killing these creatures and taking their essence, but you don't realize that it's actually corrupting you until the very, very end that, and then you realize that you were fooled into doing this all but the behest of this entity. And what seemed like a very straightforward game and story wasn't so straightforward at all. And then the second time you play through it, you actually start to see like the little hints they left along the way that were super easy to miss. So I still remember me sitting, sitting, putting my controller down and going, well, that's a thing. So, yeah. If you want to do KOTOR, go for it, because I have two that I might work with. Okay. So, go ahead. 
Uh, so Knights of the Old Republic, which is another classic game from the early aughts, uh, 2003, I want to say, uh, it was Star Wars RPG. It was basically released right at the time when the, the prequels were out and, and at the forefront of everything. Um, but it, it has one of the greatest plot twists in at least Star Wars history, as far as I'm concerned, uh, where you spend the entire game as a protagonist cleaning up the mess that was sort of left behind by this Sith Lord called Darth Revan. Then you get to the end of the game and you realize you're Darth Revan. You had amnesia all along, which is sort of like a tropey thing. But like it's because you never see anything with Darth Revan outside of that iconic mask and the purple lightsaber. And then when you finally get there, it's like this moment of you're cleaning up your own mess because you're actually the Sith Lord. And how you got to be there in the first place is a whole other thing. Like, there are layers here. It, it was just an epic twist. And I'm going to pass it to Matt because we could be here all day. Yeah. Um, I, I, KOTOR was going to be one of my picks, absolutely. But there are two others that I think work really well. And one of them is fairly recent. I feel like people give Fallout 4 kind of like short shrift as a story. Um, possibly because, you know, it came out after fallout new vegas and a lot of people absolutely loved new vegas and i'm not saying new vegas was bad um and i get that preston garvey can be real pushy i i do i understand that key, you know there's another settlement i don't care preston i'm doing something i get you <laughs> i got but things to do preston leave me alone there's still that moment in fallout 4 where uh i i played it as both male and female survivor um i kind of prefer female survivor because She's first off. She's uh, uh, Courtney uh, Courtney Taylor, who's the voice of Jack from from Mass Effect, is the voice of Nora, the the female survivor in Fallout Four. Uh, if you play as her, you're basically a lawyer and a wife who wasn't in any way, shape, or form prepared for anything like the the apocalypse. She wasn't a soldier like her husband had been. So when you go out there and you're, you're trying to survive in the you know wasteland, you're doing so as like as completely noobish as the the player is. So I like that. But also it makes this one hit really hard because in this story, whichever one you play, you see your spouse murdered and your child stolen just before you're refrozen and and left in in the uh, in the vault. And your mission actually once you get out is to go find the person who, who killed your, your spouse and stole your child. That seems pretty straightforward, right? You're in this atomic wasteland. Uh, you need to find your child and find, you know, find the people that took him. Except when you finally find the person that did it, that killed your, your husband, I'll say, and, and stole your child, won't tell you anything. But you know that he's got, he's got an implant in his head, so you kill him and take the implant and he's mocking you the whole time that you don't really know what's going on. And you're like, yeah, yeah, whatever. Typical villain talk. But he was telling you the absolute truth. You don't know what's going on. Your kid wasn't just taken and then you were refrozen. And then some, you know, you woke up like a few days later or whatever. It's been 87 years since you saw that moment. Your child is an adult who's older than you and is in charge of the organization that kidnapped him from you in the first place. I mean, you might have and been actively trying to destroy at this point. Yeah. When you get there, when you get to that place, he's there. The, the person who calls himself father, who's in charge of, of the Institute, is your son that was kidnapped at the beginning of the show, of the game. And there are clues. There are hints throughout the game that things are not as they seem. But 
it's it's sim very similar to the bit that Joe just mentioned in Knights of the Old Republic, where once this moment has happened, it crystallizes all that stuff. And you look back and you're like, you talk about like shadows of classes, but it crystallizes it. And you look back and go like, Oh, Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what that all was. KOTOR did that too, though. Like, yeah, KOTOR did do that too. But the other one I'm going to talk about really briefly is dragon age two. And all I'm going to say is there comes a point in dragon age two where something happens that I did not expect to have happen that I did not think could happen in a game where you play a heroic protagonist. And it's, it is very shocking and very hard to, for certain people who, and I, if I told you why those people couldn't watch it, that would tell you what it was. But when it happened, I remember I had to put the controller down and walk away from the game mm-hmm. because it was just emotionally, it was too much. And I mean, even though, as I say this, I still kind of get this feeling in my chest from, from remembering it. So I can't ignore it. It's it's one of the few times a game like really just hit me. The game hit me. It like literally punched me in the gut. Like, I was like, oh, like I can't. I put the controller down and walked away. I went back to it. I played it. I still think Dr- Dragon Age Two in many ways is the best Dragon Age game. Um, and it's partially because of the sh- the sheer impact of that moment. Uh, so I needed to mention that as well. But yeah, I, I this is a good question. Uh, I really liked it. Um, Quite frankly, I could. I think all of us could probably list a few others, but I mean, we'd be here till the end of time, so we should probably move on to the next question. So, Joe, open question from Tetsemi: What fantasy classes are done well in MMO slash RPGs? What sci-fi classes are done well, and which would you like to see cross to the other? And which ones need more love in general? Uh, Fantasy-wise, I still think the best representation of a mage slash duelist actually goes to Guild Wars 2. Mesmers are, like, the perfect, like, well-done mage class, uh, focusing on, like, deception and misdirection with that trope of, like, yeah, maybe I could cast Fireball, but why would I do that when I could just make you not want to fight me in the first place? Uh, and then they even expanded that further with the, I want to, what is it, Heart of Maguma expansion? Uh, no, Heart of Thorns, Heart of Thorns. Maguma was the place uh, where you get another set of subclasses and they can actually turn into chronomancers. Like these are like high fantasy wizards done super, super well. And I don't think it gets nearly enough love for that. Um, sci-fi classes, I don't really have an answer for because I don't, I don't know that any game has done a sci-fi class to my satisfaction but I'm also really picky about that. So, and I'll toss it over to my lovely co-hosts. Uh, Liz, do you want to go or you want to go? Uh, this is just such a hard question. Um, I mean, I would, I would say that, you know, it's like most fantasy games have kind of like the big, the big class tropes nailed. You have, I mean, you kind of, you kind of have three major tropes going on. You've got a fighter who can be, you know, maybe it's a ranger kind of thing fighting at range. Maybe it's that beefy barbarian. And you have your, like, sneaky, stealthy rogue type. And then you have your wizard type. Like, you have these three big archetypes that you see in most major fantasy games. And it's like, they're so conventional, but also they're the ones that you both expect and can usually find done pretty well in every game. But the other thing is there's no surprises with things like that. They're 
they're the basics, but they're also the ones you're most likely to see done right because they've been done so many times that everyone knows how to do them. Um, I would say just like my favorite class in a video game is the Necromancer from the Diablo series because it is, it's like thematically an interesting class because you usually kind of think of necromancers as the bad guy. But here you have necromancers who are just as heroic as any other class doing the same things. And they kind of have this concept that they serve the balance. They preserve the balance here. Not that they're, you know, inherently evil and summoning the powers of death. And they can be customized in all these ways, which is, that's just one thing I love about Diablo in general, is you can play the same class and you can play it totally differently. You know, you can focus on summoning skeletons, or you can focus on blood magic, or you can focus on kind of the power and strength of bones and be a more tanky character. In general, I just kind of love hybrid classes that bring together different ideas for something interesting. But not every game does hybrids very well. And that's that's kind of all I got. Well, first off, in terms of science fiction stuff, there's a quite a few science fiction games that do reasonably good jobs with classes or jobs or roles. Um, I'm trying to think of like the ones to really go for. I was going to uh, say, like, I was going to thinking about it as Liz was talking. Esper from Wildstar gets pretty close for psionic warriors as far as sci-fi goes, but I'm just throwing that in there yeah. before I forget. Um, I would say that for me, like one of my favorite pen and paper RPGs that's a science fiction type game is Starfinder. Mm-hmm. Uh, Starfinder has a lot to, to go for it. Um, I can't remember the name of the class off the top of my head right now because when I used it in my own Starfinder game, I renamed it. And the name I gave it is one that sticks in my head. But they have like a sort of a Jedi-inspired warrior of cosmic power type thing. The, the Technomancer? No. Or the... the sorry, because there, there's the Technomancer, there was the Envoy, the Biohacker, Vanguard... No, you're, it's they have a specific ability. It's Solarian. Your, Solarian. Yeah, the yes. Solarian. Thank you. Sorry. Um, those guys, I, I really like that. They, they, to me, bring about that that idea of that wandering mystical night, yet we're in a sci-fi setting thing that I love. They do that really well. Um, in terms of one of the things Liz was talking about was like how like games tend to have their uh, their big three tropes, for lack of a better word, their big three, you know, I fill this role. And Diablo, the original Diablo, did that absolutely. It literally said, here's your fighter type. Here's your rogue type. Here's your wizard type. I mean, that's they called him a sorcerer, but you know, they, they just plopped them down in front of you. And to me, I think one of the reasons that Diablo 2 absolutely deserves all of its praise and, and deserves to be the big dog in ARPGs to this day, even though I prefer to play Diablo 3, Diablo 2 realized... We can take these things and we can make multiple versions of them and we can mix and match them. Like the Paladin from Diablo 2 is basically what the Diablo, the, the Paladin in World of Warcraft is. It comes from that Paladin. If you're playing a Paladin in World of Warcraft right now, go back, look at a classic server, look at the talents and abilities. They're almost just reskinned Diablo 2 ones. The, the class definitely takes from it. The uh, Necromancer Liz already mentioned, but is it a really good way of looking at how do you do a, a magic type, but make it completely thematically different and have its own unique flavor? Mechanically speaking, it's basically just a pet class caster, yeah. but mm-hmm. the skin of it is, it's all wrapped up in the, the setting and the mood. That's a really good job there. 
the Druid, uh, very much, it's, not only is it a heavy influence on the Druid from WoW, but the Druid in, in Diablo 2 is unique amongst Diablo characters in that it combines the idea of a summoning with its own body. Like, you don't summon things, you become the things. So it, it is a very unique, it's kind of the fighter and the mage at the same time. Um, obviously, the, the Amazon does the roguey stuff, but is also pretty pretty handy in an up-close fight. There's a lot of, they went, they went in unique directions. Obviously, the best thing they ever did was the Barbarian. I'm not just saying that because I'm a lunatic. I mean, I, I am a lunatic, but the Barbarian was the perfect thing to bring to Diablo. You don't, if you wanted to play like a knight type character, that's what paladins are for or a crusader or, you know, that kind of thing is over there and it's absolutely good to have it, but taking the fighter and making it the barbarian, it suddenly there's a reason this character is doing these ridiculously risky things there. It's part of their culture. It's part of their nature. It's who would be insane enough to go into a cathedral full of demons with no special magic powers whatsoever, just axes this person. Look at him. He shaved his head and he got a tattoo on the back of his skull. This guy is absolutely going to be the one to do that. I And in Diablo 3, it actually got better. And it's even looking like it's going to be even better in, in Diablo 4. I think that the, the Barbarian from Diablo is the best video game Barbarian. And it is possibly the best video game fantasy melee character, at least for me. It, it is the one that I... I enjoy the most and like the most. If they said tomorrow they were pulling warriors out of the out of Rao and put barbarians in, I'm probably the only person who wouldn't complain. I'd be like, okay, that, that sounds good. Sure. I mean, they use yeah. rage as their resource. They're kind of already halfway there anyway. Yeah, fury, but it, basically, yeah, and and it'll be something different in the new one. Who knows? It changes all the time, but the basic thing remains. They 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 have various ways to kill you, all of which involves screaming and hitting things with and- axes. This is perfect. It's and they the help you by yelling too. Don't forget that. They help yeah, you by yelling. Yeah, absolutely. They helpfully yell. They hurtfully yell. They, they don't, so it's a whole package. Um, in video games, I think that the Barbarian is the, it's the axe that launched a thousand ships. Uh, it just, it's <laughs> close to perfect. Um, but yeah, that, that, that's it for me. Those, those are the ones. Um, I will also say that I basically tend to play a Barbarian in any other game that will let me. Like um, when I was playing Wrath of the Righteous for 900 hours, I played a Barbarian in that too. And then I found the Blood Rager, which is the Blood Rager is Barbarian, but also Sorcerer at the same time. And it is much better than any other version of that I've ever seen. Because all your spells are basically just you getting so angry that the world is like, okay, you can be giant size. Please stop being angry. Uh, sure, you can fire fireballs out of your head if you just stop being mad. Nope, still angry. Okay, what else do you want to do? Uh, and it, it works pretty well. Uh, that's one of Paizo's better achievements. But I feel like this, we've, that's my answers. Uh, do we have time for one more, I guess? Uh, we are at time. All right. Uh, then I guess we'll have to hold that last one till next week. Um, we got some questions though this week. Yeah, we did. Uh, two weeks in a row. That's actually pretty cool. <laughs> uh, not always happen around here. Did we leave anything out? I would feel bad if we did. No, no, got that, got that, got that. So yeah, um, I'm actually really glad that you remind me about the Castle Nathria uh, expansion date. It's uh, August second, guys. I didn't. We didn't mention that, and I feel like you should know. This will be out on August second, and it looks like it's going to be a lot of fun. Um, I'm I'm thinking about playing it, and I don't usually play Hearthstone except for Mercenary mode. 
Someday I have to get you to take me through Battlegrounds, Liz. Uh, Battlegrounds is really fun. At least I yeah. think it's really fun. I should uh, watch you play it at some point just to see if I can if I can figure out how to do it. <laughs> I mean, just jump in. There's no deck building, and you'll fumble around, but you'll get there. All right. Uh, Joe? I got nothing. The goodbye thing oh. you do? <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, generally, when you say Joe do the thing, not just Joe. Uh, no, but- I was hoping it would work this time. <laughs> Uh, so Blizzard Watch is made possible due to the generous contributions at patreon.com slash Blizzard Watch. Your continued support means this podcast site and community is able to thrive and grow. Blizzard Watch supporters enjoy exclusive benefits like early access to the podcast, better chance at having your question answered on our podcast or the queue, and an ads-free site experience. Thank you, Joe. Uh, do you want to do the other thing you do? Absolutely. Uh, All of us at Blizzard Watch continue to stand with the employees of Activision Blizzard as well as the game industry at large as they continue their efforts to unionize. Again, congrats to Raven QA uh, as they work towards a better working environment and a better, safer tomorrow. So, yeah, that's the podcast, everybody. Thank you so much for being here with us. If you've got a question for the show, again, you can email it to podcast at blizzardwatch.com. The subject line podcast or Blizzard Watch to be notes for this show. I'm going to take the time here to say it does not have to be about a Blizzard game. Uh, we, in fact, just talked about several other games, and we'd be more than happy to. Joe has so many things he wants to tell you about Wildstar. Um, and, <laughs> and Warhammer. And, yeah, and Warhammer. But, I mean, I would love to talk to you about City of Heroes slash Villains, which is another game I know Joe knows. <laughs> yeah, baby. Because, because my word did we lose something when that game shuttered? Yes. Yes, we did. There are some MMOs that stopped that really were amazing. And then some of them were tabula rasa, but some of them were really amazing. <laughs> um, so yeah, f- feel free to ask us about anything. It does not have to be about a blizzard game. We will absolutely love your questions about blizzard games, but they don't have to be, uh, but yeah, that's been the podcast. Thank you guys so much for being here with us. And uh, on behalf of myself, uh, Joe and Liz, we'll see you next week. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details.